so good to have you here on Easter Sunday, Resurrection. Uh, for the believer, that's a big deal, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's a big deal. And, uh, you know, maybe by the end of today, we'll, all of us will have a little bit of understanding of what that means and what that looks like for all of us. But um, give me a couple minutes here to get to my notes. I was uh, kind of doing some different things this morning, and I've kind of lost sight of how to get there. Uh, come on, you computer people, you know, give me patience, give me time. All right. Uh, sometimes I'm nervous because I kind of forget my password, too. So I have to ask my staff, what's my password? My whole staff knows my password. So, uh, but anyway, good to have you. Let's just jump into uh, the reading of the scripture today. There's one phrase that in this scripture we'll hear. We're going to focus on it the whole service. Uh, it's a big day. It's a big event. It's a big week. There's no way we can cover everything that happens in that moment. But I think if we can kind of narrow down on just one thought, that'll be good for us today. And... Uh, uh, this one phrase, I, I really believe it with all my heart. It's the most famous, famous phrase and statement in all the world that's ever been made. Uh, and that's a pretty big deal when you think about uh, how big this world is. Uh, and the, when we talk about Jesus, I believe he's the most famous name ever mentioned as well. Everybody talks about him. Doesn't mean they got to like him. Doesn't mean they got to love him. But everybody knows in a sense of kind of who he is when you talk about the name Jesus. So you're talking about two of the most, fa- the f- most famous name and the most famous statement ever made that he made. Here in um, John chapter 19 verses 28 through 30. You don't have to read with me, but I'll read it to you. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. If you're a study of the word, I challenge you, go study that. There's a powerful moment that just happened in there that set the course for the next step. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is Finished. Say it with me. It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. I want to read one more scripture to you. We didn't read this last night, but I think it's pertinent to the day that we're on. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 7. All four gospels give the account of this a little bit difference to each one. But we'll read this one. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Let me tell you why I'm reading this. Uh, Caleb, Hannah's little boy, he's usually sitting on the front row with me. I think he's in the back with one of his friends. He was here last night for the whole service, sat right on the front row. And while people are leaving and exiting, he comes up to me at the back door and he says, Pop, he calls me Pops. He said, Pops, I think this is, I got a good scripture for the ending of your sermon. (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes. So I said, is that right? And I said, yeah. And I said, well, go get it. Come read it to me. Sure enough, what did he do? He went and got his Bible and brought it to me and read it out there. So that's why I'm reading this. And it is so pertinent to the day that you're in. Because last night was Saturday. Of course, this is Sunday morning. And this is the culmination of the moment. Here we go. Early, I'm going to read it again. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and, her other, <coughs> and other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell, they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the, woman, to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen. 
Come see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the scriptures. We make much of it this morning. I'm so honored that you brought uh, all of these wonderful people together so that we can gather up underneath of your word and maybe learn some things and maybe grow in some things. And Father, as we grow in some of these things today and maybe uh, learn maybe uh, how much you love us in a greater way, we're asking that what we say will fall on ears ready to hear and will fall on hearts that are ready to receive. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen, Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. So when we talk about this phrase, it is finished, again, the most powerful statement that was made in, in all of the earth I want to look into its thought and look into its definition. I want to look into the magnitude of what Jesus was trying to say. When you look at this word, uh, this phrase, it is finished, it comes from the Greek word teltelestai. I tried to say that a thousand times. I have in the past two days over and over again. I know you might not be that, you know, words might not mean that much to you, but I'm a word studier. I, I love just finding out what's really being said. But when he made that statement, the word tetelestai comes from a verb, the root word teleo. Why is that important? Because when you look at the word teleo, here's what it means. To bring to an end, to complete, to accomplish. So I'm not just bringing something to an end. I'm not just bringing something to a complete. I'm actually accomplishing something as well. And so uh, maybe put that in a phrase of definition, a successful end to a particular course of action. Now let me explain to you, maybe give you some examples of what that might look like. Let's say you're getting ready to crown Mount, uh, climb Mount Everest, and you reach the peak, you got to the top. Well, that's a tetelestai. That's an finish, a finished moment. You were going after it, you wanted to complete it, but you also accomplished something at the same time. Let's talk about this. Uh, let's say you paid something off, uh, a mortgage, a bill, a debt, a credit card. Uh, uh, you know, I had this barn that I had financed, believe it or not, financing a small shed just so I could get into it. Man, when I paid that thing off within a year, it's a three-year thing you stretch out, but I paid that thing off in a year. That was to sales tied to me because I saved myself about 1400 bucks. now. Um, so paying something off, it not only is this something coming to an end, it's something that I've also accomplished. Uh, you know, our church, many of us uh, run marathons whenever they show up here on the Outer Banks. And uh, running a marathon, maybe your first marathon, it made me think of my son, Chase. Chase, uh, quite a few years ago now, he's run a bunch since then, but quite a few years ago, I remember the first one that he ran. Because I knew the kind of training that he did up to the moment. wasn't a whole lot. And I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. But actually, my son's got the best stature for running and uh, the form for running compared to most. But anyway, I just remember the day he crossed the finish line. I, you know, as a dad, I'm thinking, oh, thank God, this is over. But, but he made it. He, you see, he set something out there. He not only completed something, he accomplished something that he didn't think he could do. And so how about another example? Um, I know Pastor Tiffany's run multiple marathons. Well, the most recent one that she ran was the Outer Banks Marathon here, half marathon, worst day ever, worst weather ever, worst marathon you could ever run. And she jumped out there. She trained once a week. Oh, Lord, you're just wondering what's going to happen. But she did it. She accomplished something that she didn't think she could necessarily do. 
Carlos, another example. Carlos, uh, our drummer, uh, runs marathons. That same marathon, that same moment of weather uh, uh, conflict that he had to come up against, he had a goal in mind. He had run multiple marathons, but this was a big one to him. This was a big accomplishment, not just something coming to an end, but an also big accomplishment. He had a goal to run 100 miles worth of marathons, and that was his. And he crossed the finish line on that. Maybe you brought, uh, it'd be like uh, turning in your dissertation. You know, that's a big accomplishment. All I'm saying is that when Jesus was communicating, it is finished, this is what he was saying. That the work he came for was accomplished. The task of salvation of the world was completed in his work on the cross. No more additions or adjustments were necessary. Salvation was completed. Jesus was simply saying, I did exactly what I set out to do. But listen to me. There's more to this verb, to die. There's more than just the verb itself. If you're an English studier or a vocabulary studier, it also is in the perfect tense in the Greek. Don't worry about the English part. Just understand what the perfect tense means. And the perfect tense says, perfect tense speaks of an action which has been completed in the past with results continuing into the present. Why is that so important? Because when Jesus cried out, it is finished. When, when he said, look, it is finished on the cross. When he did that, he says, you know what? It's finished in the past. Come on, somebody. Anybody got a past? Yeah. I got some things in my past I'm not necessarily proud of. And then he also came over and he says, it's finished in the present. So whatever I'm walking through and working through here, it's finished in this moment. I've defeated whatever's necessary to be defeated. And then he comes over and said, guess what? In the future, when you miss it, when you miss the mark, or you need help, or you need direction, you need healing in your body, or you need something to help you in the life that you're living, guess what? I finished it there as well. So this was not just something coming to an end. This was not just something that he was completing. He was also accomplishing something that you could not accomplish. Amen. So let me read to you this uh, <clears throat> paraphrase here from Dr. Ray Pritchard. This was not a despairing cry of, helpless, of a helpless martyr. It was not an expression of satisfaction that the term, termination of his sufferings was now reached. It was not the last gasps of a worn-out life. No, rather, it was the decoration on the part of the divine Redeemer. That all for which he came from heaven to earth to do was now done. That all that was needed to re reveal the full character of God. Come on somebody, say he's a good God. God. Reveal the full character of God had now been accomplished. That all that was required by the law before sinners could be saved and now has now been performed. That a flail price of our redemption was now paid. Now, for the believer, for the Christian, for someone, that, that means your salvation is complete. That means your redemption is complete. That means that eternal life for you is complete. That means that when Jesus Christ said, it is finished, your eternity was secure in that moment forever when you bring him into your life. Nothing can separate you from that unless you walk away from it and say, I don't need him, I don't want him, I deny him. That's the only way that that could ever be separated. But even then, God, Jesus Christ, says, you know what, I finished something for you in the future. When you get there and you're ready to maybe to turn back to me, guess what? I'll be right there because I'm Hebrews 13a. I'm Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on. That's good news for the believer. That's good news for the Christian. 
But I want to ask you a series of questions real quick. I don't need you to answer. I just want to ask a series of questions. And then as we move on forward into today, I'm going to share, ask you really four pointed questions. One, two, three, four. We'll ask those pointedly. But these are just to get you thinking. All right? Listen, let me ask you this. If there was a way that you could pay for every mistake, come on, tell somebody you made some mistakes. You know, if you're older, that rates, relates a little bit more to you. Okay? If there was a way you could pay for your mistakes you have ever made and reverse the consequences of those mistakes so that they would turn out for good instead of for bad, would you do it? Absolutely. Sure, I would. Because, listen, some of the consequences I'm experiencing right now are from bad mistakes I made a few years ago, many years ago. I'm still reaping some of those consequences of that. Now, they're not held on to me. They're not bringing condemnation to me anymore because I have revelation of its finish. I have revelation of being righteous in God. But they're still there. There's still consequences that linger into the future in your life. But if there was a way that I could reverse all of that, would you do it? If there was a way that you could live a better life than the one you're living right now. If there was a way that I could be helped out of the mess that I'm in. Maybe you're in a mess right now. If there was a way that I could be defended against someone who has done me wrong. If there was a way that I could live a long, prosperous, peaceful, and fulfilled life. If there was a way that I could be healed physically. In a crowd this size, overflow out there, listen to me. If there is a way that you could be healed physically, I know in a crowd this size there are people that are dealing with physical complications in your life. It's just the numbers just show you that. Things that are impossible, things that no doctor can do for you, things that you've got to report that there's really no answer for, things that I have to maybe keep medicine working in my life just to keep me moving forward. If there was a way that I could be healed from that physically, if there was a way I could be healed spiritually, now that might not be necessarily totally important to you, but let's make it a little bit deeper. If there was a way that I could mentally or emotionally be healed, right now, emotionally, the world in your life is like, I don't even want to be here. I'm afraid to even be in this crowd of people. I want to close up and get a, into a cocoon. If there was a way that you could be healed. If there was a way that you could begin to succeed more than you failed. If there was a way that you could prosper more, it's not wrong to prosper more. It's okay to prosper more. I'm not talking about loving more, loving prospering. I'm talking about just prospering more, have a better life, be doing better, better at my job, better at my home, better prospering in the things that I'm doing. If there was a way that I could be happy, maybe you're happy. Maybe you're so happy that nobody wants to be around you because you're too happy. You're just happy. Life is good. Woohoo! Let's just go through life. Maybe that's you. But if you could be happier than the happiest you are, would you accept it? Would you do it? Absolutely. I know you would. Count me in. I'm all in with that. If there was a way that you could feel safe in a crazy world full of crazy people, tell somebody next to you, you're crazy. Now, we got security here. They're watching you. Don't go crazy on me. <laughs> the world's crazy. You know it. Every time, every time I hear that, every time I say that, I think of that old R.E.M. song. It's in the way that you know it, and I feel fine. <laughs> if there was a way that you could live safe in a crazy world around crazy people, would you do it? Would you accept it? 
You know, the Bible says some things about this crazy world that we're in right now. It really does. Now, you don't have to go to the Bible to, to get these answers. You can find, just look at the news and see the crazy that's going on and, 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 how, and how, how, how difficult it can be living in the world. I'm just utilizing the Bible as something to reveal something to us that maybe we already know and already see. In this chapter, I want you to go there with me or watch it up on the screen, Matthew 24, verses 1 through 8. In the prior chapter, Matthew 23, what you see is the disciples had approached Jesus. And they ask him, what is the end of the world? When is it coming? When can I be prepared for it? When will I know that that time is here so that I make sure that I make it to heaven? Well, Jesus responds to the question here in this chapter. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. Listen, but the end is not yet. It's close, but it's not yet. Verse 7, for the nation, nation shall rise against nation. Listen, the word nation and nation, both words, here's what's being said. There will be people groups against people groups fighting for their way as the only right way. So he says, look, there will be people groups against people groups, kingdom against kingdom, that's world. And then he says, there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Can you see that happening? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, amplified translation. But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times, great stress and trouble will, become, will come... Difficult days that will be hard to bear. So let me ask you again. If there was a way, one thing, one thing. I don't hold this one up because it's cut off a little bit shorter. <laughs> one way, one thing, one thing, one answer to everything. Would you take it? Would you accept it? Now listen, we spend our whole lives seeking after the things that we just asked about. Our whole lives, we spend our lives to be rescued, to be helped, to be healed, to be free, to, to walk in safety, to experience success. That, that We spend our whole life going after that. You, you're good people. with This is what we look for in our life. But listen to me. I want to share something with you. And I don't share this with you pointing to you as the only way, but I am saying it is the only way that will succeed. God has a plan. And the plan and the answer for that is in Jesus, Yeshua. And I just want to take some time to present something to you today, an explanation of who Jesus is. You know, the ancient hope was that God would become the answer for everything. If you read the scriptures from start to finish, you find out that was really the ultimate destination for any human being. He created you in his likeness and his image. And because of Adam and Eve and the fall that they made, we were kind of all included into something. But immediately, God went into the pathway and the plan of escape. And it came on this moment when Jesus said, it is finished. Your ultimate escape plan to have, see all those things work in your life is in that one statement right there. Now, for many people, I just wrote some things out. For many people that hear the name Jesus, they don't even know who he is. If not, if nobody, they don't know him. Or maybe they don't know what it is or what it means, the name. So what's behind those names? We just came through a, 
a Hebrew study or a word study of the names of Jesus, excuse me, of the names of God in our church. And we just ended it last week. One of the names that we studied was this name here, Jesus. We went all the way back to the beginning of the scriptures and we found out that it started with a Hebrew translation, Yesha, which later as you move through the scriptures became Yeshua. Maybe you're familiar with that. Later it came into the New Testament, Old and New Testament in the scriptures, the New Testament. That word Yeshua was translated in that moment, Jesus which in turn was translated into Jesus, Jesus, our salvation. Why is that important? Because Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, listen to me. This is it. This is the one answer to everything. This name, this statement becomes the answer to everything we just talked about. Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. My, my, my Yeshua, he's the healer of my life. He's the one that says it's finished in my life. <clears throat> I will trust and not be afraid in a crazy world. Tell somebody again, you're crazy. I won't, trust, I won't be afraid because the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation, the Lord that saves me. Now, we also did some study on some words uh, about God. This will help us. Uh, and, and the first word we learned about God himself was found in Genesis 1, 1. The very first verse says, in the beginning, God what? Created the heavens and the earth. Well, look at the word God. What does it mean? Don't just skip over it. When you look at the word God, it comes from the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim is just a name for gods. Not just one God, but gods. But in this translation, it says, in the beginning, the Elohim of Elohims, God of all gods, created the heavens and the earth, which means he's strong creating God. So he becomes the answer to what you need right now. You need something created in your life. You need something to change in your life. Elohim of Elohims creates that. In turn, he wants to become your Adonai. Adonai, what does that mean? The Lord and master and ruler of your life. Not to dictate, not to control, but to take you to a God-given purpose that won't fail so that you'll f succeed more than you fail. Leads us to Jehovah, which becomes the relational side of God. Now, why is this important? Because Jehovah leads us to Jesus. Jehovah, our salvation in the New Testament. I'm going to make this statement. Anything that Jesus comes in contact with comes to life. Whatever's going on in your life right now, if you think it's dead in your life, come to Jesus. It'll come to life. Now, John chapter 11, verse 25 through 26, the New Living Translation. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Even after dying. Now, that's good news. If you've got a loved one, which I do, a mother that I miss dearly, I was thinking about it today, and, and I don't want to get too emotional in this moment, but I think about it every Easter. I, I just do. She was wonderful. I got up this morning, and the first thing I could think about was her running around and putting a roast on in the oven. She's going to have about 40 people come over for lunch for Easter. She's going to be late to church about 45 minutes. But she's going to get there. 
She's going to make sure I got one suit a year, one dress clothes a year, threw the old one away and got a new one on Easter. She's going to want to take pictures as we're going out the door. She's going to want to take pictures when you get to the church. She's going to go teach nursery. She's going to not nursery. She's going to go teach Sunday school. She's going to get up there. She's going to hear the songs about resurrection and get all shouty. Then she's going to make, if I got any friends come, she's going to make me feel uncomfortable. She's going to be dancing all up and down. Woo! Woo! Resurrection Sunday! Woo! She's going to go at it, then she's going to turn all that off, and she's going to go home, and she's going to be mom. She went home at 52. She didn't have to go home at 52. God didn't take her because he needed another angel in heaven. He's got more angels than you can count or number, the scripture says. Why does he need one of you to go add two? No, he needs you here on this earth to live longer until you're satisfied. But because we live in a, a bad world with the curse that came in from the fall of Adam, he had to create a place where he would say, it is finished that even death, if it comes your way, can't take you away from me. You're not ever separated from me. You become that part of that group. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I am watching down from the grandstand cheering you on. Now listen, I don't, don't get weird with that. I don't go talk to mom all day long because she's watching me from the grandstands. I talk to my father, I talk to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit working in me. But I have an awareness of the reality of heaven because anything that comes in contact, Jesus comes in contact, he brings it to life. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die, is the rest of that scripture. Proverbs 18.10 the name of the Lord is a strong tower. This is what I do in those moments. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. What does our world need right now? Think about it. What do you need? What do we need? Your family members, your coworkers, those people around you, people that just want answers because there's no answers, is found in one name. His name is Jesus. And he said one of the most famous statements, and it is Finish so that you can have access to that name. Now, here's where I'm going to ask you four simple questions. Okay? Number one, I want to ask you this. I want you to think with me. Now, listen, if you were with us last week, <clears throat> maybe I'll present it this way. There's two groups of people in here right now when we start talking about these four things. Two groups of people that will receive and hear what I'm about to say will see it from the eyes of maybe being a believer, someone that's a Christian. And there's a potential that you could say, or, or temptation to say, I've already heard this, I don't need to hear this, this is old news to me. If it's old, it's not revelation to you. And here's what I would say, don't listen to it for yourself, listen to, can I share this with someone that's hurting, that we just found out in a world that's going, going a little bit crazy, can I share this with the person, can I share this with my coworker? can I share this with my family member that I love dearly, can, can I be the bearer of this good news? That's the first group of people. Then there's the second group of people. The people that maybe this is all new. This is something you've heard blips of. This is something that maybe you need, Pastor. I don't need. It's a crutch for you. I get it. It's just something that's not that big a deal. It's what church people do. I, I, I'm a good guy. I don't necessarily need that. Second group of people. Let's ask some questions. Number one, why do we need salvation? <clears throat> if what we said above wasn't enough, those questions, you know, all those Multiple things we talked about. If all of that wasn't enough, there is a greater reason why we need salvation. It's called sin. We don't like to talk about sin a whole lot because it might make us face off with some things. Especially Christians, they get weird when they talk about sin. Because they, you better repent for your sins or you don't go to hell. 
just, just open your heart to the scriptures and let it talk to you. There is a sin problem. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. You see, man was separated from God. Romans 3, 23, the sin problem. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, I love verse Romans 5, 12, because th- this is good. Tell somebody, it's not your fault. Romans 5.12, when Adam's sin, sin entered the world, Adam's sin brought death, brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. It's all inclusive at this point. point. It wasn't your fault. But the question still remains, is it a big deal? Yes. You might say, Pastor, okay, I get that. You, you've got my attention a little bit on this. But listen, I still don't, it's not necessarily that important to me. I'm a good person. I, I've got good values. I'm not the crazy people you see on the TV. I, I'm, I treat my wife good. I treat my husband good. I, I treat my kids good. I pay my taxes. You know, I, I pay my bills. I treat my workers good, my employees. or I'm a good employee. You know, I, 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 I only have about one drink a month, you know. I, I, you know it's, it's amazing what we make this all about, little things that are unimportant. But he says, <clears throat> maybe, maybe... Maybe you're just that person that says, look, I just don't need it. My life's good. I want to share something with you. Uh, You know, if you think you're just that good, that you don't need Jesus to redeem you from something that is a penalty of death, sin, Ecclesiastes 7.20, might work out for you. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. (laughs) Tell somebody, you ain't as good as you think you are. The Bible has an answer for everything. Listen to me. Here's why. Many times we fall into this DIY syndrome. Do-it-yourself righteousness. For the believer, righteousness. I'm more right standing because I'm doing some certain things. I think I said last week, I got another star on the starboard because I did something right and I did something good. You can't be good enough for this. But let me give you some examples of what that might look like. Anybody can fall into this, some of these categories. Maybe you attend church sometimes. You come Easter and Christmas. Good for you, man. Awesome. Okay. Maybe you, uh, you got a little bit of understanding of, of, uh, of, of God and talking to God. So you try to pray at least every day or maybe at least once a week. I'm being a little sarcastic, but that's how we've dumbed down something that's really important. It goes on. I, I wrote another thing. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you give an offering every now and then. Not to your church. Maybe you just support your community. Maybe you give to the community. Maybe you help somebody in need. Maybe you help at Christmas time and, and all of those holiday moments. And you know your just heart gets moved. And so you, you're a blessing to the community. You serve in the community. Uh, anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Let me see your hands. Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Maybe, maybe you haven't. I, I don't try to include everybody in it. But if you have, you try to at least not to commit those, okay? I don't murder people. <laughs> but, but here's my point. Now, good works are important for the believer, for a Christian, for anybody. Values. I've got good values. I've got good morals. Those are good, but they, and they can be a measure or even a result of the salvation that you accept, but they cannot be the means to your salvation. Romans 6.23. Why? Because for the wages of sin is death. But what's the hope here? Okay. What's my hope? Romans 6.23. 
But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, who said, it is finished. Tell somebody it's finished. Question number two. Then how did God provide this salvation for me? How, how did it come? What was the, the escape plan per se? Because God loves man so much that, that he made a way that you could never be separated from him again. And he made it so that he could provide a way so that you would never die. You might die physically, but in actually eternally you will never die. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now listen, you can't buy this. You can't pay for it. You can't get stars on the starboard. You, there's no way you can accomplish this in and of yourself. You're just not qualified. You're just not capable of paying a penalty for sin that can only be paid by shed blood and Jesus Christ who took that to the next level and rose again. We read the two scriptures on the front side of today. Romans 3.24 Yet God, in His grace, which is unmerited favor, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. Listen, guys, if He could make a way for you to be with Him forever, He just loves you that much, trust me, He would go all the way. And He did. It's finished. Question number three. I told you we'd have four questions. We're almost there. Question number three. Okay. Then how do I do it? How can I be saved? How can I come into this walk of relationship that someone that wants to make sure that I don't fail as much as I've been failing? How do I come into that relationship with that person that's, that's the salvation that says it's finished, that maybe I can experience the healing you're talking about, pastor? How can I come into that relationship where, where I, I just, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what it is. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Quote, salvation only comes by confessing our sins, placing our faith in Yeshua, Jesus, and surrendering our life to his lordship, placing him in charge of every area of our life, because his love and his love for us and has that plan for us. Here's my point. It's not enough to just believe. Millions upon millions of people believe that there is a God. They don't know him, but they believe there's something that created what we have. Millions of people believe in Jesus himself. That he was a savior that came. They believe in the moment of Easter and they have the experience and the historical side to it. But they just believe that it's not enough for salvation. That is not enough for the penalty of sin and the death to be redeemed out of your life because that's really no commitment. And we are definitely a people in a culture today that does not like any form of commitment. Don't tell me what to do, people group against people group. Why? Because I'm in control of my own life. Yeah, let's see how long that goes good for you. The, here's the point. There has to be confession. 
Bible pathway, Bible plan, and then from there, be careful not to be falling into religion that where I, once I believed and I've confessed, now I fall into a bunch of do's and don'ts to continue to qualify. One qualification, it's finished. Believe, confess. Jesus becomes Lord. He comes and lives on the inside of you, according to the Scripture. That's what the Bible says. He comes in and lives inside of you at that moment. And in that moment, you have the personhood of God. It's called the Holy Spirit to guide and to lead you in the life that you're living. And at that moment, your eternity is set in heaven. But you can walk away from it. I will say that. But let me just tell you. You serve a good, merciful God. That the farther you run away... The farther you get away from him, he's going to be right there in your space, ready for you when you turn around and you come back to him. I, I just, I'm just, trust me, I've watched hundreds of thousands of people come to this place where they, I mean, there are some people that I know that, man, if, they, if there was a, a picture of devil, this person would meet that person. But I saw that person give their heart to Jesus. Totally changed the person of who they were. Because anything that comes in contact with Jesus comes to life. <clears throat> Proverbs 19.21. Fourth question. This is it. What is the result of salvation? What's in it for me, Pastor? What's something that, that's... Just tell me. Give me a real good reason why I would accept this or want to do this. Well, first of all, Proverbs 19.21, let's identify who we are. Many are the plans in a man's heart. We all got plans, we all got goals, we all got things out there in front of us. But if you, the Bible becomes something that you choose to believe, it goes on to say, but it's only the Lord's purpose that will actually prevail. And man, there's just something in us that wants to test that. Wants to just keep going and going and go and hit brick wall after brick wall after brick wall and get up and two days go by and it's, you kind of forget about it. You get going and going again. And, and there just comes a place in life where Romans 5, 1 through 3 just might make a difference. The Passion Translation. You see, your faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares you flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, Yeshua, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. But if that's not enough, remember the last words, something that was accomplished, something that was sealed. It is finished. Will you indulge me? Tell somebody, it's finished. Next week, we're going to start a series, actually, on this. We're going to call the series, talk about it. We're going to talk about what I'm about to read to you. Because it's that big a deal to understand. You see, one of the things... Well, hold on, let me read this and we'll get to it. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want to read just a couple things to you about God. Just expound on who He is again real quick. 
Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9, 14 and 18. Now, I'm not taking the whole chapter out of context. Go read the whole chapter. It's all good. I just pointed some highlights that I think would minister to maybe some people here. Because I think some people might need to hear this today. Stand up with me. You know, if you've come to that place where there's, you feel like, man, there's no hope for me. It reminds me of the Samaritan woman that came to Jesus. If you don't look at that story, and he called out her sin, he called out what happened in her life, and here's Jesus having conversation with a Samaritan woman. Number one, Jesus was a Jew. They don't communicate with Samaritans, and he had gone right through Samaria, where people most of the time would go all the way around to skip just that city. Listen to me. Your father loves you so much that he came straight to you this morning to say to you, listen, I love you, and I don't care how bad, how ugly, how you think you are. Psalm 145, verse 8, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Verse 9, the Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. You can't, I'm just telling you, you can't change who he is. He is God. He is good. The world defines him differently by outward experiences and circumstances. But internally, when you come to a relationship with him, you realize that there is therefore now no condemnation to those that come in Christ. Verse 14, the Lord helps the fallen and lifts those beneath, bent beneath their loads. Got a load on you today? Verse 18. The Lord is close to all who call on Him. Here's what I'm asking. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. I'm just inviting you, maybe if it's the first time, call out to Him today. I'll give you one more example. And I want to pray with you and give you a chance maybe to make him the Lord of your life for the first time or, or maybe even come back to him, maybe walked away from him. I'm going to have Pastor Tiffany come up here and pray with you. But uh, I, I, kind of grew, I grew up in a fishing community, fishing world. I fished for a living for a while for myself. And If you're a fisherman, you would kind of understand I had a pop-pop that fit what I call the stereotype of fisherman. Now listen, I'm not, no pun against fishermen. Remember, I'm a fisherman. Okay? No punt against the fisherman. But he fit some of the bid. He had a foul mouth. And, and I mean, right up till this moment happened in his life and he passed away, I'm just telling you, I would have never thought he made it. If anybody wasn't going to make it to heaven, he weren't going to make it to heaven. <laughs> gave me a quarter his whole life. That's all he ever gave me was a quarter. At least he gave to me something, right? But he just fit the stereotype of what you, what a movie would create a fisherman to look like. He kind of fit that bit. He, you know, he, he lived in Juan Cheese, and that was his home. And, and he fished this little boat, offshore fishing, inshore fishing. And, and it, he just fit the bit. Well, he passed away. And about five years later, my grandmother, who I call Nene, um, she was about to pass away, maybe about six or seven years later. And uh, she, she had got cancer, and, and uh, I remember seeing this moment. She was in the bed in, in the little house in Wanchi's, and, and she's laying on it, and her belly's all swollen up, and, you know, just, she just wasn't doing good at all. But for about a week, what I only know how to explain to you this way, she wasn't on any medication. She wasn't on any kind of drugs that would create this experience. She went off in what I define as going off in the spirit. 
She just started to sing and pray. Woo! Started doing crazy stuff, man. Seriously, crazy stuff. But on the day she passed away, this is the moment she passed away. <laughs> all of a sudden, we're in there. We know she's about to pass away. And all of a sudden, she bellows out from, her, from within. And she says, oh, Jesse, oh, Jesse, you did make it. <laughs> and she died right then. He's merciful. He loves you. You don't have the privilege to judge a person's heart. Only God does. So anyone in this house right now, I, no one in here judges your heart. God sees your heart. He doesn't judge your heart. He sees your heart, and he's made a way of escape. How? Through Yeshua, Jesus, who is looking at you right now and saying, Look, come on, come on, threefold. Your past is over. And Jesus also says, no, well, not Jesus, the scripture says that he won't remember that past anymore. The enemy will keep trying to remind you of that, but because it is finished, he doesn't remember that anymore, brings you into the present that you're having to live with, you're having to face off with you, but he wants to face off with you with him. He wants to walk into your life and be the guide and the pathway to give you answer to some of the questions that you're trying to figure out. He's the only way. And he also sees the future where you might be down the road. Every head bow, every eye close. Pastor Tiffany, you can come on up. So the invitation is still standing. I'm asking you right now. If you want to maybe meet Jesus for the very first time. You'll, you'll know if you have. It's not, it's not a trick question. You know if you have. You just made, you believed and you confessed him as Lord. And you want to do that for the first time. This is your day. This is a moment where this can happen. You got a family here that will embrace you, not hold a thing against you, will love you dearly. Maybe there's some of you out there that that did happen in your life at one time when you were a kid. Maybe you got older. Life's got a hold of you now, kind of pulled you away, whatever. But you just want to come back to the relationship that you started one time before. Pick up right where you are and start moving forward. If that's anyone in this room, I'm just asking you right now, every head bow, every eye closed, just raise your hand for me and we're going to pray with you. We're not going to put you on the spot. I just want to see the hand so that we can acknowledge it before God. Anybody in that want to raise their hand today for salvation? Glory be to God kind of dark in here I can't see hallelujah you want to pray with them Tiff thank you Father God I just want you to repeat after me and say thank you Father God thank you Father God for sending your son for sending your son Jesus Jesus a way of escape I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior I confess my sin. I confess my sin. And ask you to come into my life. Ask you to come into my life. And pay a price. And pay a price. I could not pay. Come on. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit. For helping me. For helping me. And showing me. And showing me. The plans. The plan. And the purpose. And the purpose. You have for my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know what I thought was so amazing? that you said about your pop-up was this, is that the very first people that Jesus called to follow him were fishermen. Come on. And I just want to encourage you. Sometimes we take our circumstances and we think we're not qualified, but everybody in this room is qualified to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, let me say this. Um, I don't want to take you too long. I know you need to get out to your families, but 
I'm going to say this two ways. You got a minute for another short story? I'll make it really short. Don't wait till you think you got to get it all right to come into this place where you know Jesus. And maybe you want a one-on-one with somebody. I'm available, 100%. One-on-one to walk that out with someone. But you don't, have, you don't get it all perfect to accept it and to believe it. No, no one's perfect. You come to the perfect one to begin to help you walk life out. And I promise you, tomorrow, it's not like everything's going to be all over and change. You're going to be this fluently Christian, speaking in tongues type person. I think that's a benefit. But what I am saying is it starts at a starting point. I had a friend of mine years and years and years ago. We were in junior high when we, were, we attended. Bobby, you know the old high school where we went? We were at the old high school. And I remember walking down. He was a good friend of mine. I remember walking down, and just enough that I, this marked me to remember the moment. And I trust me, guys, I didn't live for Jesus for a long time. I, I really didn't. But I knew enough to hear something that sparked something in my, in my memory. We were coming down the hallway, getting ready to come out of the double doors, and I just remember getting ready to go to a uh, uh, shop class, I think it was. That doesn't mean nothing to you. Anyway, we're coming out, and we had, we had been to a church service for some reason. And all of a sudden, I remember somebody asked that friend of mine, are, are, what do you think about getting saved? Because we knew what the terms mean. He grew up in a Christian family. And he said, oh, no big deal. I'll wait till I get 40 to do that. I'm going to do whatever I want. He didn't make it to 40. I don't know if he accepted Jesus, but if you base it by how he was living, there was a question there. All I'm saying is don't wait. But I'm also saying don't wait till you got it all right either to come in to know this Jesus. He loves you that much. This just might be a starting point to you. Thank you.